Welcome to another Geeks Crossing Podcast. I'm Eric. And I'm Matt. Giving you all the best geek-related content you could ask for. And welcome to part two. Yes, part two of our Toll Drama Retrospective series. Well, the long and short story of it is that one of our first episodes together, our first duo episode together, was about Total Drama like as a whole, the series. And so uh, we recently did a Total Drama Island episode specifically. Well, you know, instead of just focusing on the whole series, we narrowed it down to one season. Yeah, it's pretty much a whole march to our first ever duo. And now, you know, the natural continuation, if we did Island, we should probably do Total Drama Action, the sequel, I, I can't say sequel series, it's just the sequel season. Yeah, Total Drama Action, where the contestants, they're no longer competing on an island, but instead, an abandoned film lot and a series of challenges based off film genres. And not all of our favorite contestants that we met on Total Drama Island are back to fight for the prize. We go from $100,000 to a million, but in terms of our contestants, we actually go down. We go from 22 to a merely 14. And honestly, thinking back on it, it feels more like 12 for most of the seasons because of just how quickly we lose two of them. Just to recap, the 14 contestants from season one who returned are... And Maggie, you can help me out if I miss anybody. Sure thing. I'm also going to count my fingers to make sure I'm not missing anybody. <laughs> uh, Duncan, Gwen, Heather, Lashana, Trent, Lindsay, Owen, Izzy, Harold, DJ, Jeff, Bridget, Beth, and Justin, I think. Yeah, and don't forget one person joins a little later. <laughs> I always feel like Total Drama Action is kind of just the forgotten season. Because people, when they talk about Total Drama, they usually talk about their favorite seasons, and those you have, those are usually, I shouldn't say always, they're usually Island and World Tour. And then they'll talk about, oh, the new generation seasons, you know, Revenge, All-Stars, Pocket 2. Action, I feel like it's forgotten sometimes, but it is tied so closely to the other two, Island and World Tour specifically, because literally it takes place like three days after Island or something like that. So, yeah, no, it definitely is more important, I think, than people give it credit for. It's kind of like the forgotten little brother of the Total Drama series. I feel bad because I'm one of those people who forgot about action. (laughs) It's not that bad of a season, but I'd be lying if I said there were some parts that got on my nerves with this season. But we'll get to that once we review the episodes. Yeah, I mean, it, it is weaker. In terms of the Total Drama franchise, I do think, you know, I rewatched it semi-recently, and I do think it holds up better than I was giving it credit for. So let's not waste any time and jump into episode one, Monster Cash. Yeah, so this picks up right after our our last episode that we talked about, Total Drama, 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 Drama Island, where we have a 14-way tie for the briefcase, and Chris says, all right, guys, we're going to have to decide this for the new season. And right after that, we get Monster Cash. These 14 contestants are taken to a film lot. They're introduced to all the new locations. And before they can even get their feet wet, a giant monster attacks them. And they have to run around and flee in panic (laughs) as they get used to the idea of the movie genre challenges. If it wasn't obvious already, the genre they're satirizing in this episode are monster movies or kaiju or whatever the proper term is. Mm Mm-hmm. And in this case, we have a giant green monster controlled by Chef (laughs) uh, remotely, who is tasked with catching all of the teens and putting them into a bouncy castle. Basically, the entire episode is just them running around the film lot trying to get used to their surroundings with some few humorous moments here and there. Jeff and Bridget constantly making out with Duncan responding 
I don't think this is the action Chris had in mind. <laughs> Everybody game mesmerized by Justin, who for once is speaking in complete sentences. That's a key factor to remember in this season. Yup. <laughs> and go figure, the winner of the last season, well, depending on your country, Owen, Chef tried to grab him, but he was too heavy, so <laughs> technically Owen did win the challenge. But it took him, what, 10 hours just to get to the other side of the film lot? <laughs> yep. And it should be said that winning this challenge pretty much meant absolutely nothing. He got to pick a trailer. He picked one. Both trailers got squashed. And then there were just two identical trailers. So, you know, to be fair, I, it kind of felt like this episode was just an intro episode. You know, there really weren't any stakes. Nothing really happened. It was just a way for all the contestants to hang out and meet each other. We get a sense of the dynamic of what's going on. You know, we see Jeff and Bridget now they're making out. We see Gwen and Trent, how that's going. We see all this kind of new stuff. So that's kind of what this episode is, because honestly, it's weird viewing it. You know, no teams are made. No one's eliminated. They just, you know, they talk about getting trailers, and that's pretty much it. But you can't deny how humorous it was to see Owen devour a buffet of plastic food. Oh, absolutely not. Yeah, <laughs> that is a great scene. When like Chris doesn't even explain what he has to do yet, <laughs> he just digs in. All right, so episode two, Alien Resurrection. I think that's how you say it. Yeah, re- Resurrection. I guess it's like an egg pun. It wouldn't be its whole drama show without puns. Yep. So in a parody of the Alien movie genre, the uh, teens, still teamless by the way, are thrown into a you know, sort of film set that is literally straight out of the movie Alien. Even Chef has an, a xenomorph-looking costume. Chef has to hunt them down in a manner very similar to uh, hide and be sneaky from the last season where he has the gun. And uh, the contestants split into mini-teams trying to navigate the, the space shuttle set. And in the end, it's Gwen and Trent who managed to win the challenge by claiming the alien eggs. And by that, they get to make their own teams. That was a great twist. Gwen and Trent finally started their relationship, and then they find out that, oh, we're going to be on opposing teams. Mm-hmm. I recently listened to our Total Drama Island episode re- uh, the other day, and I should say we both agreed, although you were the one who brought it up, Island has the weakest team-making selection of the whole show, and I fully agree with that. And it's cool to see the way Action decides to do it. I, I really like the-, the twist that, oh, you guys won the challenge? Guess what? You're the team captains now. That's way cooler than just, all right, everyone on this list is this team. Everyone on this other list is that team. Yeah, it's definitely more creative. Yeah. And needless to say, Trent was devastated by that. Mm-hmm. Just wait until you hear later on. But before any teams are even made, before Gwen and Trent can have a minute to even worry about what they have to do next, Chris announces a surprise double elimination ceremony that's going to be held before Gwen and Trent form the teams. So this is pretty much a 14-person elimination ceremony where two people will be eliminated more or less instantly. And who are the first two people eliminated? Jeff and Bridget. It's funny. We talk a lot about how certain eliminations are unfair and like some are just like, oh, why would they vote that? Per- that person's a bigger threat. Thinking about this episode, in a- if it was a real-life like thing, like this is real, they probably would have eliminated like Heather or some strategist character or something like that. They just chose Jeff and Bridget, frankly, because they were just annoying. <laughs> and I, I kind of find that pretty funny, honestly. Maybe it's a little unfair because, yeah, Bridget has friends. I don't know why they'd vote for her. Yeah, Jeff has friends. I don't know why they'd vote for him. But 
they were just annoying everyone by sucking face all the time. So yeah, I agree with you, Matt. It does seem a bit unfair. Jeff and Bridget are very likable, so to see them get booted this early, it was a bit unnerving, especially given their run in the first season. Not to mention, this is the last we're going to see of Jeff in the competition for a very, very, very long time. And for Bridget, it really doesn't get much better. <laughs> so this is like a farewell to Total Drama, two of Total Drama Island's like most important characters. You know, both made it past Merge, both were really key players. So it's kind of an interesting send-off. But, of course, Total Drama decides to balance this out by giving them a very special role in this season and the next. We'll get to that later, Matt. Yep. So Jeff and Bridget are crushed, but at least they have each other. And in this season, you actually take uh, the Lamozine away from the film lot, not the Boat of Losers. And so they board the Lamozine. It's the Walk of Shame, right? Yeah, the Walk of uh, Shame. Yeah. So you take the Walk of Shame down the red carpet into the Lamozine, which seems a lot, a big step above the Boat of Losers. You know, you throw out a limo out of there. But yeah, bye bye, Jeff and Bridget. But they'll be on to bigger and better things. <laughs> Before we get to the next episode. There were some moments I liked in this one. I love how now everybody's aware of Heather's deviousness. Because early in the episode, we see her teaming up with Owen, Izzy, and Harold. And Owen brought up, wait, is teaming up with you involved some sort of alliance? And Izzy says, because we don't like you, remember? <laughs> it's also noted that Heather is still bald from the events of I Triple Dog Dare You. Yeah, canonically, that was probably like a week ago, you know? So, yeah, she's still reeling from that. <laughs> and I do like how in the beginning where Chris throws, I think it was like a war balloon full of slime at Jeff. And he goes, I hate my life. <laughs> yes, this is the season where Chef really gets put through a lot of humiliation. He goes from the big, bad, tough guy to um, more of like Chris's teddy bear where he, he wears the gowns at the ceremony and. It's kind of just a little sillier, but... So much for being a war hero. or <laughs> Right. So much for Master like... Chief. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so episode three, Riot on set. So the teams, we should get to the teams. Trent and Gwen pick the teams. And honestly, it gets a little tense with uh, Trent starting to suspect, you know, become suspect of Gwen and Duncan's friendship, which we saw form in... Uh, what was the name of the horror movie challenge in, in Ireland? He escapes Psycho Killer. Yeah, that episode. We saw Gwen and Duncan really start to become kind of more buddies. And Trent is suspicious of that. And at the same time, he starts being like overly flirty with Lindsay to get back at Gwen. And it just kind of becomes a little messy. We should probably mention who's on their teams. Yes. Gwen's team is the Screaming Gaffers, consisting of her, Duncan, Lashana, DJ, Heather, and Harold. Meanwhile, mm -hmm. Trent's team are the Killer Grips, consisting of him, obviously, Lindsay, Justin, Beth, Owen and Izzy. Mm -hmm. It's kind of interesting how all the members of the Killer Grips were originally from the Screaming Gophers. That is interesting. I never thought of that, but that's true. Meanwhile, on the Screaming Gaffers, it's a mix between Gophers and Bass. We didn't. I remember reading something about this on like the Total Drama Wiki or something, but there's never really a ton of uh, of Killer Bass in later seasons. The the Gophers had all like the star characters, and you can even see that here in this season. Like seventy five percent of the contestants competing are all Gophers. It's kind of nuts. Yeah, it is nuts. Although that doesn't help because, you know, Bridget and Jeff got booted and they were both arguably some of the leading killer bass. So yeah. basically for their challenge, they had a trailer full of equipment and they had to manually walk it all the way to the top of this hill where they have to build their set and pick one member from their team to reenact a scene from a movie or something. Mm -hmm. The Grips choose 
Izzy. Izzy. Yeah, the Grips choose Izzy, the Gaffers choose Duncan, and both of them have to act their hearts out. Duncan is not happy about it. Izzy is thrilled, of course. Um, Makes you wonder who's going to win. Well, (laughs) ironically, it was the Gaffers. Even though Matt just said Izzy was excited to be acting, needless to say, she was very unorthodox. And Duncan actually had a pretty decent acting ability. Everyone was pretty impressed with him. Chef is the judge, and he he rules that Duncan is the winner. But also, speaking of Chef, this is a very interesting episode with Chef, Eric, isn't it? Right, you are, Matt. Because this episode sparked the beginning of his illegal alliance with DJ. Yeah, we had never seen anything like this on the show before. The idea that a, a you know a crew member could kind of illegally help one of the contestants. In this case, it's DJ. I think it's a really cool setup because DJ is in many ways like the anti-chef. You know, they both cook, but DJ's really good at it. Chef sucks at it. DJ's so nice and friendly and gentle. Chef is hardened and mean. But Chef, like, kind of sees a little bit of himself in DJ and wants to help him out in the legal alliance. DJ, of course, is too scared to say no. And so this starts something uh, kind of corrupt, <laughs> kind of crazy, but also kind of cool. It's also noted that they both share the same voice actor, Clay Bennett. <laughs> True, yes. So yes, basically, so Clay funny. Bennett is helping himself and also <laughs> terrifying himself when you really think about it. Yep. Going back to the episode, the Grips lost because of Izzy's unorthodox performance, so she gets the boot, Sally. But mm-hmm. wait, technically, she's not eliminated. Her alter ego got eliminated. Kaleidoscope. <laughs> Forgot about Kaleidoscope. So I should say, this whole season, actually since Total Drama, 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 Drama Island, Izzy has been going by Kaleidoscope. Or Eastcote for short. It's just a, a nickname or like some kind of alternate personality or something. But she commands that everyone call her that. And even when she's eliminated, she acts like she's not eliminated until Chris says, no, kaleidoscope, get out of here. And then she goes, which is a little bit of foreshadowing. <laughs> but uh, kaleidoscope takes the walk of shame to the Lamozian and is eliminated from her team. Episode four, Beach Blanket Bogus. So, uh, obviously, you know, the teen beach movie uh, genre, bigger in the 50s and 60s, which is actually referenced (laughs) in this uh, episode. So, teams take turns on a mechanical surfboard challenge where Chef and Chris have to pelt them with seagulls and all sorts of obstacles. And then they have to take part in a sandcastle building competition, followed by a tiebreaker dance-off. And I should say, actually, this is the start of a trend this season where we actually get uh, non-elimination rounds, or also known as reward challenges, which is interesting for the show. This is new. Again, this wasn't an island, partially due to the smaller cast. Yeah, I was about to say, considering that the cast is vastly smaller compared to season one, it makes sense that not every challenge would end in elimination. Yeah. So you get a little bit more just character building. You get uh, characters talking to each other, growing relationships ending relationships in place of an actual elimination so uh, that's kind of cool and this is the first example of that uh in beach blanket bogus the surfing challenge had some of my favorite moments in this episode especially that scene where justin was flexing and then all of a sudden when he gets knocked out by the seagulls the sharks literally jumped out of the water and gave him cpr i love that scene that's a great scene and uh, another one of my favorite lines this season is uh or this season, yes, this episode, when they go to build their sandcastles, they actually go to the beach of Wawanaqua, and Chris says, yes, we're actually back. If you need a minute to think about the happy memories you have here, and everyone just bursts into laughter, Chris looks like actually genuinely hurt. <laughs> it's, it's a very funny scene. Okay, but we have to talk about uh, the elephant in the room for this episode, which is the Gwen and Trent drama. 
<laughs> maybe more specifically Trent. Because since technically they're still in a relationship, Trent thinks it's his duty to make sure Gwen is happy, obviously. And by doing so, he's purposely losing his challenges so that way Gwen can get an unfair advantage. Yep, he throws the uh, dance off at the end, and this is a warning sign of what's to come. We also see the infamous uh, character trait, I guess, where Trent becomes obsessed with the number nine. He has to do everything nine times, say everything nine times, say words with nine words, nine sentences. His excuse, Gwen likes weird. So if he's weird, Gwen will like him. Sorry, buddy. That's not how it works. Thinking back on it and listening to our old episode, maybe I'll get more into this when we talk about Trent's elimination, but... Trent as a character is just a lot more interesting than I originally had noted. But um, but enough of that. Trent is safe. Everyone's safe. This is a non-elimination round, and it ends with a little bit of a party. You know, we see Gwen and Trent do make up. Gwen says, hey, you know, everything's okay. Trent's like, yeah, everything's fine. And they agree that they're still cool. They're still dating. Everything's fine. Water under the bridge, at least it looks like right now. And we also got to see more of Justin's though in his side. Yes. People tend to say that in this season, Justin is kind of a villain, maybe for the first half. And I guess I do see that upon rewatching. Almost like what Alejandro would end up being, a little bit of a less fleshed out Alejandro. But, you know, tries to use his good looks to scheme and, you know, scam uh, Beth and Lindsay into voting with him, that kind of stuff. I feel like we only seen a little bit of that. Like, not enough to see him as a full-on villain, I should yeah. say. It's like two or three episodes max, I think, where he does it. So next up, 310 to Crazy Town. Our movie genre this time around is the old Western movies. The teams go compete in a little Western-themed area. Each team member has to jump from a diving board and land onto a horse. (laughs) When this really doesn't work out, Chris has one team as cattle, the other as cowboys, and the cowboys have to take lassos and, you know, kind of rally them up. The cows have to just evade capture. I personally felt bad for Trent when he jumped off the freaking ladder and landed on the fence. Yeah. like, for those who don't remember, Trent got his ass beat during his last few episodes of his whole drama island. Yeah, during the in-between time after he left Gwen buried alive, but before they made up, there was just a stretch of time where Gwen and Trent weren't talking in Ireland, and the writers thought, huh, well, what do we do with Trent now? I guess we'll just beat him the hell up. And there were legitimately, like, five episodes where he was in the infirmary, he got poisoned, fell out of a plane... It was just not a good time to be Trent for a while there. (laughs) It's like the writers were trying to make us remember, hey, do you remember those Trent torture moments that we had back (laughs) in season one? Well, here's something to compensate. (laughs) Yeah, right? Yeah, it was not pretty for poor Trent, but uh, it was at least just a passing reference. As for the rest of the episode, that really doesn't happen as much. We do get more of the Trent trying to throw the challenge for his team to help Gwen, even though he told Gwen everything, you know, he'd stop being weird. It doesn't help because I think his team had the upper hand because, like, they had the lassos and the gaffers for the cattle. Yep. Of course, this did not really uh, stop the cattle from turning the tables on the cowboys and roping them all up instead, winning it for them. It's also noted that this lasso challenge wasn't intentional. Originally, it was supposed to be a shootdown using water guns, but because Owen drank all the water from the guns, they had to improvise. <laughs> I forgot what happened, or I don't remember the lines by heart, but I do remember there was one moment where Chris insulted Chef to the point where he just tied him up to a pole or some shit like that. <laughs> that's right, I think that did happen. Oh it's also God. noted that Chef was wearing a pink, like a pink dress or some shit like that. Yeah, like a Southern Belle's like pink gown or something like that. 
<laughs> oh, chef, this season is not kind to you. I always found that scene legitimately funny. <laughs> yep. So yeah. like we mentioned, the gappers win, and Gwen has had it to a point where, hey, these advantages, they're unfair for me. It's unfair for my team. So with a heavy heart, she had to break up with Trent. Yep. Uh, but yeah. Justin was eavesdropping, and he assumes that this is all part of a plan. So Gwen felt bad for how Trent's team was handled. So she convinced them to vote off Trent. Otherwise, if he's still in the game, he's going to keep throwing challenges for her. Yeah. So she pretty much says, hey, Trent is kind of screwing you guys over, and I feel bad about it. If you get rid of him, he won't screw you guys over anymore. But in response, Justin blackmails Gwen into saying, okay, but in the next challenge, you have to throw the challenges for your team to make us even. Mm -hmm. Which sets up a little bit of a scary situation for poor Gwen going into the next episode. But first, the killer grips have to hold an elimination ceremony, or I, I guess I should say they're called the Gilded Chris Ceremonies in reference to the Academy Awards uh, this season, where everybody gets a chocolate gilded Chris. <laughs> and Sally, Trent's eliminated. Poor Trent. The last time he will ever compete, he strolls down the Walk of Shame as a result of throwing the challenge against his own team. They do not look kindly on that. Now, here's something interesting. Normally, we transition to the next episode, but after every, I want to say, six episodes, we take a short break from the main show and turn our focus to the Toll Drama Aftermath show. What is that, you may ask? Well, it's a talk show hosted by Jeff and Bridget where they interview eliminated contestants, you know, talk about their experiences, what they've learned from it. Mm -hmm. And if you've been wondering where all the contestants from Island who didn't make the cut in action have been hanging out, this is exactly where. They are the peanut gallery of the Aftermath show. They look on, they watch the drama unfold. Occasionally they'll have a pretty funny line or, or two. So yeah, so Jeff and Bridget host this show for all the... Uh... Losers, I guess you could you could call them. Um, and in this first one, you know, we look at everybody who's been eliminated since uh, the show started or the season started, which is pretty much just uh, Izzy and Trent at this point. If you don't count Jeff and Bridget, who are the hosts, they don't interview themselves. And so we get some pretty nice comedy from Izzy, and we get some pretty big juicy drama from Trent, who is actually the main focus of the special. Yep. Well, not really special, but episode. But you know what I mean. Yeah. I mean, Izzy's hard to be a focus of anything because, you know, she doesn't really take anything seriously and no one really takes her seriously. But but Trent obviously had a big, emotional, very serious uh, elimination. We, you know, he got dumped, he got voted out. Things aren't looking too good for him. <laughs> doesn't help that everybody's obsessed with his number nine fascination where they assume it has something to do with Gwen. But little did we realize it has something to do with his deceased relative. I think it was his grandfather. Yeah, toy train from his grandpa had like nine wheels or something. Yeah, I'm not gonna lie, that was a bit heartbreaking because it's like, oh shit, there's more to number nine than we anticipated when it comes to trends. Yeah, honestly, I I get it, but at the same time, if that's true, if it's really just because of his grandpa, then why didn't we see it at all in Island? Maybe it was too personal for him to share. Maybe, but um, yeah. So so actually, the the peanut gallery in this episode ends up taking sides between Team Gwen and Team Trent. You know, oh, whose fault was the breakup? That kind of thing. Katie um, and Sadie <laughs> sided with Trent. No surprise there. And my man Cody's still sided with Gwen. <laughs> he also still has her bra from episode eight from Total Drama Island. <laughs> I forgot about that. <laughs> kind of random, but hey, nice continuity there. Yeah. It's yeah. also noted that. Now that Jeff is technically a host, needless to say, the power is gained to his head as he yeah. wants to focus on the drama aspect. Let's put it that way. 
it's not getting too crazy just yet, but we see this, the warning signs in the first F- Aftermath special. We definitely get a glimpse of this when he mentioned that Heather is the hottest chick on the show. And mind yeah. you, he's <laughs> dating Bridget, his girlfriend. Sitting right next to him <laughs> in the room. <laughs> eh, but they patch things up for now. Yeah. All right. So episode seven, the Chef Shank Redemption, an uncanny reference to Shawshank Redemption. And of course, that is the giveaway of the genre that this episode's challenge is based on, the prison movies. So both the Screaming Gaffers and the Killer Grips are pretty much tasked with uh, first feeding a disgusting prison meal to a member of the opposite team, and then, you know, escaping prison. Uh, of course, there's a jailbreak, you know, it's a jail movie. So that those are the two legs of the challenge. Of course, as we've touched upon, Justin fully expects Gwen to help his team cheat, or help them win, I should say. Um, and Gwen's team starts to get a little suspicious, especially Heather, who, you know, obviously is never super trustworthy, or no, never super trusting. But most of the teammates, they still hate Heather, so obviously throughout the episode, they were siding with Gwen. Yeah, her warnings go unheard. <laughs> it's like the boy who cried wolf. It wasn't until when Gwen smacked Harold with a freaking shovel or whatever it was <laughs> while they were taking <laughs> underground. That that <laughs> that's when people started to say, wait, I thought Gwen got over fear of being buried alive. Suspicious. <laughs> I know, wrong show, but come on, that reference is too perfect for this. Gwen pretty much spends this whole episode in a guilt, like a guilty conscience, helping, doesn't want to, you know, get Justin and that, the other team to squeal, I guess is the right word. Yeah. But also, Gwen wasn't the only one who kind of cheated in this episode. So did DJ. During that challenge where the prisoner had to eat gross meals, he sprinkled what he liked to call mama spice on Lindsay's dish to make unlike, it more appetizing. Yeah, unlike Chef, DJ actually cares about the cooking craft and he felt too guilty to give someone that disgusting food. So he had to provide a little spice. Yeah, it's kind of <laughs> cheating, but it was more like an act of kindness. Let's put it that way. Yeah. Also, here's a pause for the killer grips. Izzy's back. Yeah, so Isco, or I guess Izzy, you know, who's just casually burying underneath the prison, as you do, runs into her old team, or actually, no, she runs into the other team, uh, and, you know, it's revealed through a montage, or a flashback, uh, that Chris had a legal document sign, or maybe he does whenever there's an eliminated contestant, and technically, Kaleidoscope was eliminated, not Izzy. So Izzy is still competing, gets to join her old team, and it's like business as usual for but of course... The killer grips, in large part, thanks to Gwen's help, win. And, of course, the gaffers are very, very suspicious of Gwen's actions, especially in the tunnel. So, during the elimination ceremony, much to everybody's shock, Gwen gets eliminated. Yeah, this was a big one, I think, especially for people who watched this season for the first time, because Gwen was a finalist in Ireland. Now, poof, she's gone. This is when I think people started being like, oh, crud, anyone can go. This, kid, this is still anyone's game. <laughs> yeah, if you thought Gwen getting eliminated this early was shocking, wait until you hear the rest of the episodes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Episode 8. One flew over the cuckoos, or cuckoos? Yeah, one flew over the cuckoos. A medically-themed challenge, you know, based on hospital movies, hospital dramas, that kind of stuff. And so, what happens is that Chris forces all of the contestants to study medical biology and uh, anatomy all night. And then traps them into a hospital in a sort of parody of contagion of some kind, where they all start feeling the symptoms of a mysterious illness. 
And it's up to Duncan and Lashana, both members of the Screaming Gaffers, I must add, to kind of figure out what's going on. These symptoms include, but not limited to, red spots on your bodies, explosive diarrhea, itchy lips, sweating like a fucking animal, speaking in tongue, and blindness. Mm-hmm. It's also noted that at first they had to study all the medical terminologies and stuff while eating pizza, mm-hmm. courtesy of Chef. That should be now, a warning sign. <laughs> I love how LaShawn was the first one to notice that Chef giving out free pizza. Yeah, that's definitely suspicious. <laughs> Especially yeah. if it's good pizza. <laughs> I like how this episode explored more of the relationship between LaShawn and Duncan. We kind of got a glimpse of that during the tri-arm, triathlon, or whatever it was called back in season one. Yeah, and even back then it was so novel because the whole reason why it was funny is because Duncan and LaShawn had really never talked together. And so now, by this point, you know, we're seeing a little bit more of that. And LaShawn now thinks this would be a good opportunity to form an alliance with him and Harold. So, yeah, good luck with that, LaShawn. Why not try to get DJ? Did they explain why they didn't want to get DJ? I thought Duncan and LaShawn were both friends with DJ. I don't know. The writers were too busy with DJ's alliance with Chef. Fair enough. But, yeah, so they, they uh, ultimately, we should say, Duncan and LaShawn crack the case and find out that this is a simple combination of they spent all night studying uh, medical textbooks, so they are now diagnosing themselves with conditions they don't have. A combination of that and, uh, you know, pretty much poisoned pizza. And this is another one of those reward challenges. One member from the team gets to spend the day, or sorry, spend the night with a close friend. Fun Easter egg at this scene is when he holds up the, the pictures of everyone who the Screaming Gaffers are close to. Duncan's is his parole officer. <laughs> Either yeah. that's his closest friend or that's the only people that... Chris trusts to watch Duncan. <laughs> For all we know, Duncan's friends are probably still in juvie. Oh, yeah. Maybe they'll, they'll go and uh, take him there. Um, ultimately, Lashana, you know, gets all emotional, says, oh, I thought I was going to lose you guys. It was so stressful. And surprisingly, Duncan, Heather, not exactly the nicest people, they both say Lashana should have earned the award on this one. DJ goes along, Harold agrees. And so they unanimously give Lashana the chance to spend the night with her friend. Or cousin in this case. Oh, her cousin, yes. But we found out that her being over-emotional was just an act. Yeah, those were crocodile tears. Which may or may not come back to bite her in the ass later on. Mm. (laughs) Yeah, so episode nine, The Sandwich Project. Yes, so of course we finally reached our horror episode you know uh this sees the teams tasked with having to find a scarer or or someone like a serial killer to scare the other or get the biggest scream factor from their team and then after that they have to put on a sort of uh paranormal activity parody where they have to um kind of scare the other team into leaving the craft tent uh in this case screaming gaffers have to scare the killer grips out of the craft service tent um to win the grips chose beth to be the serial killer while the gaffers chose DJ. Oh, sorry. Chef chose DJ. <laughs> yep. And this is when the contestants start to get more suspicious about why DJ is spending more time with Chef. Yeah, DJ is uh, definitely starting to come under public scrutiny. Meanwhile, on the Killer Grips, uh, you know, we've been without Trent for a little while now, and team needs kind of a leading force. And this is where Lindsay steps up. Very interestingly, this is where Lindsay starts kind of taking control of the team, being a team leader figure. Justin, by this point, kind of fades into the background. He's not really a big villain so much anymore. 
Owen and Beth are really happy to listen to Lindsay too. Izzy too, of course. You know, Izzy's Izzy. And so Lindsay's going to ultimately take this kind of cool leadership role, which is kind of cool exploring her character, especially coming out of Island, where she was like Heather's butt monkey, her servant. Um, and now she wants to be seen more seriously. She wants to be seen as more intelligent. And this is going to be a little bit of an arc for her this season. And this is the start of that. So she starts saying, oh, okay, Beth is going to be the screamer. Oh, okay, guys, don't run out of the craft service tent. You know, and it's kind of cool. And this is the point in the episode where DJ just lost it. Like, he couldn't deal with the pressure of being under an illegal alliance. So, big surprise, the Grips lose yet again. And right before someone could get eliminated, DJ became the first ever contestant on the show to quit. Yeah, he's just had enough. He, he actually goes on stage and says, I'm not going to do this anymore. Like, I have my integrity to think of. He also, it should be noted, is very guilty. He thinks about his mama, what his mama would think about him cheating. And so, yeah, he takes a graceful exit, seems to have no regrets, and he walked, He takes the walk of shame down to the limousine, and we say goodbye to DJ, and goodbye to Chef's Illegal Alliance. And goodbye to all that glorious food that he made. Yeah, which I think that that's funny too. Everyone's so sad to see DJ go because specifically they like the food. <laughs> Especially Owen. <laughs> all right, episode 10. Masters of Disasters. Ooh, disaster movie parody. The teams have to climb this sort of special effecty, like a uh, big ramp with all sorts of disasters on it that Chef and is obviously shooting down at them. Whoever can get the most members of their team to the top will win. And uh, after that point, they have to go into a sinking submarine and try to break out before the chamber fills with water in a very terrifying challenge. <laughs> But before we get to that, it should be noted that Owen's jaw got busted during this challenge. No joke. I think this is one of the first times we see a, a contestant get pulled out midway through a challenge because of an injury. I mean, we've seen that at the end of challenges, but not in the middle. You know what I'm trying to say? Yeah, yeah. We've seen, obviously, injured contestants before. You know, I, I, we mentioned already Trent literally got, like, every injury in the book in Ireland and had to be removed, go to the infirmary tent but it's, it was never handled with the gravity like chris flat out stops the whole challenge everyone's gasping everyone's like oh my gosh that looked like it really hurt we got like a slow-mo replay chris flat out says the killer grips win that part of the challenge just because uh in his own words injury you know trumps all and so yeah it, it, it's pretty legit and Owen actually is taken away for the rest of the episode but because of his jaw being busted his jaw had to be wired which means he can only slip things through a freaking blender Yep, he has to think, drink smoothies for everything. Hey, you spilled your soda in my chips. No, you spilled your chips in my soda. <laughs> yeah, without solid foods, Owen's gonna go fucking ballistic. <laughs> <laughs> Meanwhile, the screaming gaffers, tensions run high in the sinking submarine, as you can imagine. Lashana pretty much reveals that she lied to get the reward in the uh, medical episode. Her team's not happy about that. And due to Harold's lock-picking skills, he's able to save the day, break them out, and win their team a reward, because this is a reward, not elimination episode. Chef, you don't understand. No contestants means no more episodes, no more ratings. We're gonna get sued. And I should care why. You're not listening. <laughs> yep. So things are not pretty uh, on that Great. Front. Harold is gonna save the day. Yes, we're going to get more ratings. <laughs> that goes to show that Chris does not give a shit about the well-being of his contestants. All he oh, gives no. a shit about is ratings. <laughs> yeah. 
Okay, moving on. Okay. So again, reward challenge. No one eliminated, which means we move full on to the next episode, episode 11, Full Metal Drama. This um, time they parodied the war movie genre. Yes. So, uh, you know, the Screaming Gaffer is kind of falling apart at this point, I should say. Lashana, now no one trusts Lashana. Duncan and Harold are at each other's throats all episode. And what ends up happening is the two teams are tasked with this massive battlefield kind of strategy challenge where the gaffers have to hunker down and protect this box and the grips have to steal it somehow. And Lindsay once again takes this leadership role, calling herself Admiral Lindsay, her hotness, even though, as Beth points out, this isn't really, uh, you know, she's not an admiral, not on a ship. And so for most of this episode, she kind of is barking orders like a general. It's pretty interesting. But what's also interesting is that Beth and Lindsay are starting to lose interest in Justin. I mean, you've seen in the first few episodes, they get mesmerized by his good looks. But now it seems like Justin's charms are no longer working on them. Mm -hmm. Even Izzy straight up said he's not cute, which (sighs) obviously affected Justin's Mm self-esteem. Even if it is a bit of a lore break because Izzy was flustered by Justin in Total Drama 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 Island. But maybe she's just trying to be cool. Regardless, it's pretty cool. Uh, I should say, due to Owen not eating solid foods, he's getting very backed up. And so Chef is kind of legally required to feed him these laxative drinks that Lashana keeps taking. And, you know, things are not pretty with the screaming gaffers as a result of that. So Duncan and Harold, they're, you know, squabbling. They're dealing with Lashana. They're dealing with uh, Heather obviously being annoying, as always. While the other team kind of has their own things to worry about, especially Izzy's new personality, Explosivo. Where she's obsessed with explosions. (laughs) Yep. And uh, this comes back to bite them. Because when they're supposed to design kind of cool battle sets and explosions, Explosivo just blows up the whole set. And uh, Chris is not impressed. (laughs) It's funny. We keep mentioning how dysfunctional the Screaming Gappers are, yet they keep winning almost every challenge. Yeah, and that does not change here. Duncan and Harold are able to actually put their differences aside themselves for this one challenge. And they beat down the Killer Grips, sending them to another Gilded Chris ceremony. Where Izzy is once again eliminated. Yep, and no getting out of it this time. They don't eliminate Explosiva, they eliminate Izzy. So, uh... Honestly, what was the point of bringing back Izzy if she wasn't going to make the merge? It almost feels sort of like an Eva situation where they brought her back because they didn't want to get rid of anybody else. It's like they kind of just brought Izzy back because they didn't want to get rid of anybody else at this point. (laughs) Yeah, with Eva, it happened in the same episode she was brought back in. True. (laughs) But so, Izzy was a character that people liked, yet they only brought back for like three episodes. Mm -hmm. At least she's happy with her new persona. Yeah, and so Izzy, you know, walks the uh, walk of shame for the last time. And we are once again given another Aftermath special before we get into the good stuff. The Aftermath 2. The Eliminate contestants that are being interviewed this time are Gwen and DJ. And no, Izzy doesn't count because she (laughs) already got her interview in the first Aftermath. Yep. It's also noted that in this episode, we really get to see Jeff's sadistic side. I mean, yeah, him and Bridget briefly made up at the end of the first Aftermath show. But here, it almost felt like Jeff didn't learn anything. Yeah, there's a trend this season with boyfriends not learning anything, and Jeff has gone off the deep end this time around. Even going as far as to drop a freaking anvil on Gwen and DJ during a game of Truth or Anvil, which is supposed to be Truth or Hammer, something we forgot to mention. Yeah, the Truth or Hammer game keeps getting more and more sadistic. Now it's Truth or Anvil, it will eventually become Truth or Electric Chair. (laughs) It's not pretty. 
pressuring DJ into confess the benefits of being in a legal alliance with Chef and the ice on the cake, they keep shoehorning the famous love triangle of Gwen, Duncan, and Courtney. Yeah, it's interesting because at this point, we really have no reason to believe it's a thing. I, I guess a little bits of speculation here and there, but Gwen and Duncan really haven't gotten romantic. Maybe these are just supposed to be like little seeds that are going to blossom into something eventually, which, you know, spoiler alert for our next episode in this miniseries, it eventually will blossom into something. But as of right now, <laughs> it's interesting to look at. This episode, once again, you know, explores the Gwen and Trent stuff. Oh, yeah. DJ's mom is in this episode, too. Yes. DJ's mom. That's right. Who, for some reason, didn't have any dialogue. But, hey, she's still there. So that counts as a way. <laughs> um, and all around, it's an interesting episode. You know, DJ's trying to help console Gwen. Gwen and Trent are kind of tense. Bridget and Jeff are at each other's throats because of how sadistic Jeff has gotten. And uh, you get a sense that you really want to see what's happening at the next Aftermath special. <laughs> Episode 13, Oceans 8 or 9. Parody of uh, even the name, of course, the famous bank heist movies. So both teams have to uh, break into a bank vault and, you know, get supplies to actually rob a bank by holding up a bank clerk and then making a getaway in a vehicle. And that's pretty much all they have to do. Last team to make it across the finish line, the getaway vehicle is sending someone home. But in a twist, somebody was brought back into the game. Someone who didn't qualify for this season, we should say. You want to take a wild guess who that is? Ezekiel. Nah, I'm just kidding. I was just about to say that. That's hilarious. It's actually Courtney. Let's be real. We knew Courtney was coming back. Yeah, she was definitely the most important person in Island to not make it into action. So, you know, it stands to reason, of, of course, she's going to come back. Um, and come back she did. And it's explained that she sued Total Drama to get herself on because of technically her illegitimate elimination when Harold rigged the votes, you will recall, last season. And uh, apparently she's got pretty good lawyers because she won that case. And Chris has been legally required to let her come back to the show, which he is not happy about. But she is definitely very smug about. And this is the part of the series where I started to get annoyed with the season, with Courtney's return. I mean, even though I knew it was going to happen, it's just how she's portrayed in the episode she's featured, which I'll get to later. Hmm. Similar to how Heather had plot armor in season one, Courtney also has plot armor in this season, which yep. involves her lawyers, and that got way out of hand. We get a glimpse of it in this episode, but further episodes to come, it just really annoyed the fuck out of me, which is why I sort of hate Courtney. I'm sorry, Matt. I know she's one of your favorite characters, but come on. No, 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 no. You have nothing to apologize for. This season, Courtney sucks. Like, I actually really do like Courtney a lot in island but this season she's like a she's like a baby like throwing a tantrum the whole time it's so hard to watch i don't know why they did this to her like literally every episode that she won well spoilers i guess <laughs> every episode that she won she always brought up oh unfair advantages from her lawsuits yeah constantly bringing up lawyers her you know her status how great she is it just got so old i mean at least heather and island you know she was self-absorbed she thought she was great but she didn't have to freaking say it every five seconds. She didn't have to throw a hissy fit every five seconds. Courtney as a villain, which, by the way, I, I do think, I mean, I don't know if you agree with me, Eric. I do think Courtney's pretty much the villain of action. Oh, no, she definitely is the villain. No yeah. question there. But she sucks as a villain, kind of, because she's just not fun like Heather was. Yeah. Heather, you, you had someone like, oh, okay, she's so sly and she's always strategizing. Courtney, her strategizing just consists of bullying Duncan to make an alliance with her and then just yelling at everyone else. It's not fun. It's not cool. Yeah. It's not clever. 
<laughs> she's not an enjoyable villain, is what we're trying to say. Absolutely but, not. But don't worry, we're going to elaborate more on that once we get to the next episode. But yeah, let's focus on this one. Yeah, so yeah. the gaffers get an upper hand throughout the challenge. And Courtney, much to her dismay, becomes the new captain of the Grips. Mm-hmm. Putting a wedge in Lindsay's plan. Uh, but she's going to run them, you know, like a team of dogs, just like, you know, she did in Island, kind of. Although even worse now. <laughs> I will admit, it was pretty funny how Owen was trapped in the safe. And the only way they were able to get him out was use the smell of, didn't Beth have like meat flavored perfume or some show like that? Yeah, yeah, something like that. We should say by this episode, Owen has now gotten his uh, jaw wire removed. So he's back to normal and he is hungry from missing out on so many delicious meals. So throughout the episode, he kind of keeps picturing his teammates as food, partially due to the chicken perfume, of course. One of my favorite parts of this episode, too, is that the screaming gaffers are like, hey, wait, we don't need LaShawna. To, uh, we don't need the supplies to break into the bank. Duncan's like a juvie guy. He knows how to do it. And they just abandon LaShawna in the bank vault for the whole episode. I'm surprised they won without getting LaShawna because in future seasons, Chris penalizes team if they don't have older members. Yeah, but it does lead to some funny moments. My personal favorite is when Lashawn is in the vault and you faintly hear the Gilded Chris theme and she's just like, now tell me that is not the Gilded Chris theme. (laughs) She's so pissed. (laughs) Even though this is an elimination episode, the Gappers still get reward money, but it's not real money. It was like fake Chris Bucks or some shit like that. Yep. Like, imagine Monopoly money, but with Chris's face on it. That's what they got. Hooray. <laughs> and so we have uh, another elimination ceremony for the Killer Grips. Starting to get used to this, right? <laughs> Every single member of the team votes for Courtney because they hate her. But unfortunately, because of Courtney's lawyers, she is not eligible to be eliminated this episode. Unlike Eva in Ireland when she came back and immediately got eliminated, that's not happening with Courtney this time. And so the only vote that counts is Courtney's vote. I can't even say it because it's just so heartbreaking to say. I know. Owen. Our boy, our boy Owen is forced to ride the limousine. And it's so funny to me how upset everyone is. Like even Justin's like, what? No, we don't want to lose Owen. We hate you. Bro, <laughs> like if, you thought the, if you thought the characters in the show were pissed off, imagine the fucking fan base who are watching this episode. Owen, the winner of the last season, is eliminated this early. The icon of the show. I remember when I was a kid, I raged this episode. I was like, what the fuck? Why would you eliminate Owen? Well, mm-hmm. obviously, I didn't say those exact words, but <laughs> in, in a similar manner, you know? It is nice and heartwarming that they all request a speech from Owen and they give him their Gilded Chrises on the way out. It's an appropriate way to see him off. But Eric, I must ask you, I'm guessing, or I guess I should just request this information of you. I'm guessing uh, this episode and that elimination especially did not make you like Courtney anymore, did it? That only solidified my hatred (laughs) towards Courtney. (laughs) Literally weaseling out of elimination and kicking out everyone's beloved boy. Oh. So now so, both Island finalists are out of the show. This is big. It's crazy. It's anyone's game. Episode 14, 1 million bucks BC. If it didn't give it away, they're parodying the prehistoric times. Although I think they put it like period piece movie, which I thought was pretty funny. Yeah, so we get some one-on-one matches above some tar pits. And pretty much uh, the teams are forced into the... Oh, they all have to wear like caveman garb. It's a pretty fun time. Again, this is just a reward challenge. 
Um, but it is a pretty fun time. They had to wear loincloths. They had to build no. fire using sticks or stones or whatever right. that. Yes, Duncan cheats. He used the lighter. <laughs> Even though Duncan clearly stated that I play by the rules most of the time. Yep. <laughs> Unfortunately, that time wasn't one of them. Then they had to duke it out in a bone battle or some shit like that. Yeah, like they were put on a giant platform above like this tar pit, and they were each given like a bone or something, like a club, and they had to knock each other down. Members, uh, one member from each team. It was like the uh, the World Tour Challenge where they're uh, in Germany a little bit. Um, well, we'll get but... to that once we get to season three. Of course, of course. I don't actually remember who wins this one. I, oh, oh no, the Killer Grips because I remember the big last scene is Courtney knocking Duncan off. So the Killer Grips win. It doesn't matter though because the reward, which is a giant stake, uh, ends up falling into the tar. So no one really wins anything this time. Except for Courtney, who gets a lot of accommodations thanks to her lawsuits. I do like Chris's line, like, everyone, pay attention. Courtney's getting special treatment. <laughs> that means you should hate her. <laughs> Bro, she gets her own private bathroom. She gets <laughs> lobster dinners every week. That only made me hate Courtney even more because she's giving all these unfair advantages. Yeah. Granted, we don't see them as much in the future episodes, or if not at all. But just the idea frustrated me. Yeah, like, what did she do to earn this other than getting a rigged elimination? I mean, yeah, it sucked. It was an unfair elimination in Island. But how does that mean that you get to coast your way through an entire season? That's not fair. <laughs> also, Heather is obsessed with Courtney's hair for some reason. Yeah, Heather is now starting to really become self-conscious about her baldness. She actually picks up a prehistoric, like, bone cavewoman wig in this episode. And she wants Courtney's hair. An interesting little side plot for Heather, who really hasn't had too much going on this season as compared to the last one. She's really kind of become sidestepped by uh, Courtney. On the plus side... At least the Grips finally won a challenge. Yeah, that yeah. is true. Episode 15, Million Dollar Babies. So this is uh, the sports movie challenge. Pretty much they go through all different kinds of sports. And First it was boxing with marshmallow gloves, badminton, wrestling in a ball pit, and a slam dunking or whatever. And then a cheerleading tiebreaker. That's right. Both teams end up winning two challenges each. There are honestly yeah. some pretty funny moments in this episode. Yeah, I was about to get to it. This episode had some of the funniest moments this season, such as the first challenge when it was Lindsay versus Harold in boxing. We get to see Shep in a freaking spandex and bra or some shit like that. Check it out, out, out. You mean ew, ew, ew. <laughs> I also uh, just you're like... just Jewish. Also, who could forget the scene where Courtney and Duncan are fighting in the ball pit and they accidentally find like some random kid and Chef just airdrops and picks him up and leaves just without a word. Hey, what, what's under here? A daycare center? Mama? <laughs> I don't know. The kid called me mama and it threw me off. It's not my fault. <laughs> oh, gosh. And of course, this episode is also big for the exploration of um, Beth, who you know, is going on, I guess, I think this is the first episode where she talks about her boyfriend, right? Or is this... I think she mentioned him in uh, Masters of Disasters. Yeah. Well, Beth has this boyfriend. Everyone thinks he's fake. And so she takes Courtney's PDA. She borrows it. God, a PDA. I, I, it's 2021. I feel like we have to explain what a PDA even is. It's like a, a it's like an old-fashioned, like, laptop phone thing that, that you can connect to the internet on. It's almost like the reference to Eva's MP3 player in Total Drama Island. It's like, oh, gosh. But yeah, so Courtney lets Beth borrow it to, you know, contact Brady. And Beth finds out from the Total Drama blog uh, that Lashana vented to uh, her cousin about everyone on the show. 
while she was away after the medical episode, and everyone is pissed at her. Except Heather. <laughs> Heather's like, ah, oh, it's not that bad. Whatever. <laughs> I've seen worse. But this is coming from Lashana, of all people. Lashana, yeah. who, mind you, is a very live character in season one. So yeah. to see her go this direction, I don't know. It was a bit shocking. Yeah, it was crazy. She was beloved by her friends and peers in season one, respected. And this season, her teammates have now gotten pissed at her twice. You know, the first was the fake crying. Now it's the, you know, venting and ranting. Like, geez, Lashana can't catch a break. <laughs> What's happening to you? <laughs> yeah, so to redeem herself, she decided to do the cheer tiebreaker by herself, which almost worked. But the Grips did one thing to impress Chris. No, there was one thing that Chris was more impressed with himself. The lines for the Grip song was literally just the word Chris over and over again. And of course, Chris was, he loved it. He adored it. And so the Grips won the tiebreaker and the gaffers seemed set to vote off Lashana. But in a twist, Heather gets eliminated. Harold and Duncan forgive Lashana. You know, her apology. They believe it's sincere. And so they just take out Heather, who they think is a threat, which gotta say, what a nonchalant elimination for Heather, you know, for someone who was such a huge threat in the first season, for someone who kind of weaseled her way through the first few episodes of action. They're just like, all right, yeah, bye, Heather. Like, it's crazy. She didn't even really do anything wrong. It was just crazy to me to be like, wow, another powerhouse from season one just taken out like that, joining the likes of Owen and Gwen. It's also noted that LaShawn and Heather sort of former friendship at the end yeah it's explored a little bit in the next aftermath special but it is kind of cool when they have that moment the writers kind of forget about it in the world tour but it's pretty cool episode 16 dial m for merger as it It sounds the teams have merged but not before reenacting the opening of 16 for some reason yeah i always thought that was weird because there's not six of them (laughs) there's seven of them i guess 17 doesn't sound as catchy yeah fair enough so, yes, so the teams merge in a spy movie-themed challenge. Uh, Lindsay and Courtney butt heads. Lashana kind of tries to work with other characters. You know, she just survived her last elimination ceremony. She wants to be sure that she's going to keep surviving. And it's a pretty interesting little time. They have to disarm bombs. They have to sneak out. By the way, weirdest scene for me, or one of the weirdest scenes for me in the whole season, is when they're in the spy movie set. And they think it's about to self-destruct and they're all going to like blow up and die. And Courtney doesn't let people escape with her. I was just about to get to that. This fucking bitch was literally risking a lot of lives if they don't (laughs) split the prize money with her. Like she had all these benefits to get her out safely from an exploding building. And she wasn't willing to save anybody unless they give her some of the prize money. If one of them won, I was like, wow, how fucking sadistic are you? Even Heather wouldn't pull that stuff from season one, you know. Oh, yeah. So get ready to hear this. In the last part of the challenge, they had to defuse stink bombs, which are staying off in three minutes. And only Courtney had the pliers. It took her a good two and a half minutes to let Lindsay borrow the pliers. Hmm. Also, on top of that, not every bomb is wired the same. So even though Lindsay's was safely defused, everybody else, no go. Mm hmm. Even Chris pointed out saying, like, what? Did you think I would purposely wire each bomb the same way? Come on, that would be too easy. And so for cutting her bomb wire, Lindsay wins. And for escaping the exploding villain lair, Courtney wins. And 
the two of them win a reward. This is a reward challenge. And I believe it's like a trip to a cheese factory or something, right? <laughs> something like something that. that Lindsay was thrilled about, but Courtney wasn't thrilled because she's allergic to cheese. Honestly, Courtney kind of deserved it. <laughs> this all while the cast takes a steaming red, uh, steaming hot tomato bath uh, because, of course, the bombs were actually stink bombs. So, yeah, that's uh, that's dial M for merger. The teams are now merged. No more grips, no more gaffers. We got our final seven, and leaving this episode, we still have our final seven. Leading into episode 17, Super Herald. I love this episode. This is a very good episode. It's, you know, superhero movies, but it's so weird looking back on this because this came out in 2009. Like, right off the bat, I lost my shit when I saw Chris as Batman <laughs> trying to save Chef in distress. <laughs> so basically in that challenge they have to come up with their own superhero alter egos this includes coming up with a costume their hypothetical superpowers or try to make the most out of what superpowers they can initiate and then save a damsel in distress from a fiery building under a time limit yep pretty much run an obstacle course first person to do so successfully wins immunity everyone else could get eliminated it's also noted that while they were designing their costumes Chef or Pythologus and his and his kitty psychic Kitty Dangervoy kept on messing with the contestants. <laughs> yep, stealing their stuff, you know, ruining their sewing, <laughs> electrocuting Courtney. Which Bravo, Chef Bravo. <laughs> the only one who didn't get suffered was Duncan because he didn't fucking do anything. <laughs> he just glued a fake eye in between his eyebrows. And that was his superpower. He's like, oh, I'm just the old seeing eye I see in the future. I predict Harold will get punched in the shoulder. <laughs> he punches him in the shoulder. <laughs> I Honestly, that's a very funny scene, too. Everyone with their superpowers. Justin rips off Bev. Lindsay is Wonder Woman. My God. A Canadian version of Wonder Woman. I loved Wonder Woman as a kid. You get 10 points. But that's already a superhero. Uh, excuse me, is this your show? No, it's my show, so I make the rules. Courtney, you're standing on my invisible jet. Courtney, minus five points for standing on the invisible jet. <laughs> Who wants to ride in my invisible jet? We do. Even freaking Chef and Kitty Danger Boy raise their hands. Or paw, I should say. This episode was building up to Lindsay finally winning, but go figure. Lindsay being Lindsay ends up messing up in some sort of capacity and Courtney wins invincibility. Uh, get used to hearing that, by the way. <laughs> I guess that's a spoiler alert, but yeah, Courtney's safe because the writers obviously knew that if she wasn't safe, everyone freaking hates her except for Duncan. Uh, and so it's honestly kind of up in the air who's going to get eliminated. Nobody's really 100% sure. Speaking of Duncan, Lashana, Beth, and Lindsay all decide to vote off Duncan because if he's gone, then it'll ruin Courtney as much as she hates to admit it. Mm. Meanwhile, Harold, Justin, and Duncan form a kind of guys alliance, very similar to the one from Total Drama Island post-merge. And they decide one of the chicks has to go. And they pick Lashana. So mm -hmm. it's literally a gamble. It was either going to be Lashana or Duncan that gets the boots. And the person who got eliminated, sadly, was Lashana. Yep. Harold ended up casting the deciding vote, even though he did immediately regret it. But Lashana didn't let it get to her. You know, she even was pretty cool about it to Harold. Was thankful, gracious, and that's the end of her time on the show. Which led to the third Aftermath show, where the next group of eliminated contestants that gets interviewed are Owen, Lashana, and Heather. Yes. Jeff, by the way, 
sadistic as ever. This is probably like he's even gotten worse since the aftermath too. At this point, we're up to truth or electric chair. He forces Owen to reveal a bunch of secrets, which is a very funny scene because it's in the same animation as uh, his hunting story from season one. He was going to ask some questions about the show, but Owen went overboard with secrets that had nothing to do with the show. Like how he cheated on his math test, he glued his <laughs> uncle's toupee at Goat's Butt or something like that. <laughs> Ate a also... buffet of food at Bad Camp and dumped like fake goo over his teachers or something like that. Yeah. <laughs> we also uh, find out that Owen is now broke. His mother has spent uh, the winnings that they thought he would get on a cheese seller, uh, and now they're in debt. But Owen doesn't care because, hey, it's a cheese seller. Yeah, honestly, he, he thinks any debt is worth that. As for uh, Heather, she gets some pretty cool moments on the electric chair. I really like when uh, she's, like, forced to admit that, you know, Lashana is pretty cool. Like, there are characters who are definitely a threat, like Lindsay. She's forced to admit Lindsay's a threat. Kind of cool we get some actually inner thoughts of Heather that she won't admit because she, you know, she's too good to admit it. Uh, but that's a really cool scene, too. But going back to Jeff and Bridget, as you can imagine, Bridget has had it with Jeff's sadistic nature, so she ends up breaking up with him. Mm -hmm. And as an act of revenge, she puts Jeff in the electric chair and make him confess his truth. Like, is he really happy with what he's become? And after two shocks to the cerebrum, Jeff admits it that, oh, this was all just an act. Like, he really, truly cares about Bridget, and these are all genuine moments. Like, he literally had change of heart, which... I gotta say, it was very invigorating because I was starting to like Jeff again. Mm -hmm. It's like the writers were trying to remind us, forget about the Jeff you saw, like the previous Aftermath show and this one. This is the real Jeff. Yeah, he was letting the fame get to his head and he knows now, deep down, he doesn't want to be like that. And it's nice. Him and Bridget make up, they get back together, everyone's pretty happy with that. And we move on to episode 19, The Princess Bride. Yes, uh, the fairy tale themed episode, kind of the Disney princess movie parody in a way, where, you know, we're down to our final six, and Courtney is tasked with playing the princess, has to uh, go on top of a magical tower, and the knights, which is pretty much everybody else, they have to, uh, you know, cross a bridge, fight a troll, climb the tower, fight a, a dra dragon, aka the monster from Monster Cash, <laughs> but reskinned. And uh, it's a pretty cool time. Justin actually starts falling for Courtney, which Duncan is obviously not happy about. Yup, it's an interesting rivalry. It's also noted that Courtney... I actually do... I know we haven't talked too much about Beth. Uh, I actually really do like her plot in this episode. Her and Lindsay aren't knights. Uh, they're kind of like the failed princesses. They have to just sit out. And Beth, like, resents that Courtney gets to be the princess. She's like, oh, I always wanted to be a princess, like, since I was a little girl. Like, this isn't fair. I want my own doll. <laughs> and mm -hmm. Courtney's like, ah, too bad. But I, I, I like that. It's pretty funny as the, uh, as the boys are trying to save Courtney. That we get that little subplot. <laughs> and again, I really do like uh, the big scene. I guess where Justin's like, oh, Harold, I just want Duncan to lose. I'll, I'll team up with you. You can win. And then like he double crosses Harold, climbs up to the top, only to get knocked down by Courtney, who claims invincibility by saving herself. <laughs> Literally, Courtney didn't do jack shit in this episode, and she gets invincibility. She got immunity for sitting in a tower for, like, 20 minutes. <laughs> I mean, yeah, she sang, but that was just out of pleasure. Yeah, she wasn't required to do that for the challenge. Just to remind us all that, hey, 
I won this challenge. I can do whatever I want. So if I want to sing, I'm going to fucking sing. Yep. And, uh, you know, obviously the, the runner up for this episode, uh, Justin, who almost won Invincibility, his fate ends up being sealed. He pissed off Duncan. He pissed off Harold. Courtney really doesn't like him that much. Lindsay and Beth don't care about him. And so with no friends or even allies left, his fate is sealed. And he is the next to walk the walk of shame. I got to give him credit. Made it a lot further than he did in the first season. You know, this is a step up from when he his only lines were on the dock <laughs> entering the island. Props to Justin for improving, but he just wasn't enough. Well said, Matt. <laughs> All right. So episode 20, get a clue. I kind of hate this episode, not going to lie to you. Uh, you know, it's funny. I love a part of this episode and hate a part of this episode. And I think I know why you hate it. This is a mystery genre where the contestants have to solve the murder of Chris McClain. I got to say, the beginning was the part I mostly hated because we kind of hinted this here and there about the rivalry between Lindsay and Courtney. But, oh my God, it's like the writers want to keep Lindsay inferior to Courtney. Yeah, it feels like Courtney's almost the writer's pet. <laughs> That's an expression in this kind of stuff where, you know, they have to solve the mystery and then they go on a train in a parody of the, the famous Agatha Christie murder mystery novel Murder on the Orient Express and parodied to death itself. They have to all be detectives. Lindsay tries her best. Courtney, whatever, tries to. Courtney's obviously like the smart one. And yeah, and then they have to solve the mystery on the train who killed Chris. And uh, Lindsay actually ends up being a pretty decent detective. She figures it out. That was the best part of the episode for me. It was a cruel irony how Courtney kept on shane on Lindsay throughout the episode, and she ultimately triumphs. Mm -hmm. Also, you gotta admit, when Harold was playing that little piano, it was like, wing wing! <laughs> Where does that sound effect keep coming from? <laughs> that was another great moment. Harold kills it this season, like, honestly. I know we haven't really given too much credit to him, but he's great here. Definitely a step up from season one. Yeah, not, it doesn't happen with a lot of characters, but that definitely happened with Harold, where action was way better than Island. Again, we talked a little bit about Harold in our last episode, how they really didn't know what they wanted to do with him in Island. They have him prove himself for his team like three times, and then everyone just keeps bullying him. It's like, what do they want to do? Like, they just want him to be the stereotypical nerd. And here, it's much more explored, and it's awesome. But yeah, Lindsay wins. She, of course, luckily for Courtney, because again, she would have gotten eliminated. This is a reward challenge. And so Lindsay takes Duncan to see a movie because she feels bad about uh, initially accusing him of being the murderer. Obviously, Courtney's very, very upset that Lindsay took her boyfriend to see a movie. But, you know, what are you going to do? Sucks to suck. <laughs> so things are finally starting to look up for Lindsay, or so we thought. So I, I want to just stop. Before we get to the next episode, though, why do you hate this episode, Eric? <laughs> I already mentioned why I hated this episode. Like the beginning oh, with parts. Lindsay. Because I was going to say one part, too, that I absolutely can't stand is when Courtney follows around Chris, like, demanding a prize. Exactly. That's another part I hated. Like, literally, like, screaming. Like, I know I've said it a bunch of times already. Like, a toddler throwing a tantrum. I want a prize. I want a prize. I win. I want a prize. And Chris is like, fine, have some cheese doodles. Like, this is your prize. I was going to eat these during the train ride, but fuck it. You can have them. Just, oh, God, Courtney, you're a spoiled brat. You're not a, a good villain. You're not like Heather, and spoiler alert for next season, you're not like Alejandro. You're just a brat. Ugh, dang. And I know I love Courtney, but I honestly, I think I just love her in season one. <laughs> That's been my mentality since the beginning. <laughs> Ever since this season, I started to hate Courtney. Yeah, I, I understand why, Rewatching it. It's just, she's a spoiled little brat. 
Yeah, so as Eric said, Lindsay's getting, you know, things are looking up for Lindsay by the end of Get a Clue. Leading into Rock and Rule, our next episode, episode 21, where our final five become the final six? <gasps> Guess. Why six? I thought there were five contestants left. <laughs> well, here's a big surprise, and this is great news to us whole drama fans. Owen is back. Yup. To the pleasure and joy of most of the contestants and the annoyance of Courtney, um, who you will recall eliminated him, Chris brings Owen back. Ostensibly, he's just back because he's just back. You know, oh, cool, Owen, we love Owen. But behind the scenes, Chris and Owen struck a little deal. Chris is going to help Owen pay off that uh, cheese seller fiasco in return for Owen coming and stirring the pot, causing drama among the final five. So he's really more of an employee than a um, contestant. You know, full-fledged contestant. Yeah. Yeah, I liked it, but at the same time, it was almost giving me a reason to hate Owen, but I can never hate Owen. You know what I'm trying yeah. to say? Yeah, it's just a little weird sometimes when Owen will just sit out a challenge just because like he's not a contestant. It's like, oh, like are you even really back? Like, <laughs> but not yeah. this time, not this time. But that will come up later on. In case the title of the episode didn't give it away, it's basically a music slash band movie genre. So, uh, you know, rock and roll movies, specifically the rock and roll biopic, where you go through the life of a rock star, starting with fame from your talents and leading into. Walking down the red carpet, looking impressive, being a celebrity, throwing it, like, ruining uh, your hotel room. <laughs> the first challenge, they had to go through a segment similar to Guitar Hero. Yep. <laughs> Even though Courtney was hitting every note, Duncan straight up smashed his guitar and won by default. Yeah, that's exactly what a rock star would do. Of course, Courtney's not happy, throws a little tantrum again. You know, par for the course by this point. Challenge two, which is the red carpet, like you said. Everybody was avoiding them. Well, unfortunately for Owen, who basically steamrolled over the freaking cardboard cutouts of the press. Mm-hmm. It was yeah. not pretty. <laughs> of course, Lindsay, the, uh, the, probably the most charismatic, charming contestant left, maybe other than Owen, bedazzles the red carpet, you know, and does a great enough job to win that challenge. To Courtney, once again, during a tantrum. Yep. Which leads us to the third challenge trashing the hotel room just when it looked like Lindsay and duncan were about to get the winning edge here comes fucking courtney going on a rampage once again winning invincibility my god i never understood that like it, it's technically a three-way tie why does courtney win immunity it's like chris is making up the rules as he goes yeah Lindsay and duncan also won but you know whatever courtney did it too so we got to give it to courtney otherwise again everyone would vote her off which leads to one of the worst eliminations in this entire season, in my opinion, at the next Gilded Chris ceremony. Despite all that development, all those triumphs, Lindsay is eliminated. You want to know why? Because fucking Beth distracted her while she was picking who to eliminate, and she ends up eliminating herself by mistake. Oh, God, writers, why? why? We know the real reason is because Lindsay's voice actress was busy with another show. Technically, they didn't have time to put Lindsay in any of the future episodes, but come on. Yeah, this is pretty much Lindsay's best season, just like Harold's, and it only gets downhill for Lindsay from here, so it's just so disappointing. But, you know, great character, great contestant, had a great run, takes her elimination in stride, even though it was kind of a stupid mistake, and honestly, she probably should have gotten immunity if, if Courtney got it too, but whatever, whatever, it's neither here nor there. Lindsay's mm -hmm. gone, it sucks, 
because she was probably one of my favorite contestants left. But you know what? We still have some great characters left, so I'm, you know, whatever. Bye-bye, right. Lindsay, leading into uh, Crouching Courtney, Hidden Owen, episode 22. So this is a parody of kung fu movies, even though, as Harold points out, uh, they utilize Chinese and Japanese tropes throughout. The boys and the girls, because there's two boys and two girls left, they have to compete. Oh, Owen's there too, but again, he just randomly sits out. He's like the, the geisha for some reason. It's not really explained very well, but whatever. But it's a nice nod to uh, the end of season one, where uh, the Sasquatch and Aqua episode, where there's the, the guys against the girls. Kind of a nice nod to that. Harold and Duncan team up against Beth and Courtney. Beth and Courtney don't trust each other. Duncan and Harold don't trust each other. It's a great time. Owen, of course, tries to stir up some drama as they do an ep- a challenge fighting each other in those Rock'em Sock'em robots. And then they have to, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, don't Beth and, what do Beth and Courtney have to do? They have to like cook something or clean a kitchen or something like that? Basically, whoever won that part of the challenge has to climb a cliff and do right. this, I want to say, well, what was it, like an H&T or something? Something like that. I honestly don't remember. But yeah, something like that. Whoever makes it to the top will win immunity, despite them being a team. Like whoever's the first person on top will win. And the losing team has to cook a feast using live and authentic seafood. Mm-hmm. So I remember during the episode, Beth was using Courtney's PDA to talk to her quote unquote boyfriend. <laughs> and Courtney was getting strangled by a freaking octopus. Courtney was going along with it because she wanted Beth as an ally. But yeah, she was uh, really getting rung through the ringer there. Meanwhile, and- Duncan and Harold actually explore a very cautious alliance. Like they actually start to get along. It's- Kind of interesting. But unfortunately, this wasn't going to work in Owen's favor because he needs to stir up drama between them. So using Lashana Jr., a.k.a. that snail that Harold found, who he claims looks like Lashana, don't ask, he told Harold that Lashana Jr. told him that Duncan is going to double-cross him. So we get a badass moment where both Harold and Duncan are on top of the mountain, and Harold knocks out Duncan, finds the H&T, and wins the challenge. Mm-hmm. And a stunning betrayal between what looked like such a blossoming friendship, or at least an alliance. But it ends in betrayal. Kind of fitting how Harold was the one to win this challenge, because since he knows a lot about Japanese and Chinese culture. Yeah. And honestly, thank God he did. Harold has not won immunity at all yet, and he's such a great character. Definitely looks like things are looking up for him, or so we thought. Episode mm-hmm. 23, 2008. A Space Owen. Mm-hmm. We have our sci-fi space movie. Not like the uh, alien genre of space movies, but more like actually like astronaut space movies. And so the final five are put into a space lock. Uh, by the way, I guess we should say Crouching Courtney Hidden Owen was a reward challenge. But the final five are put into a, a space lock and like this roller coaster that stimulates anti-gravity. And they're kind of forced to survive in there. Then they have to go into like the... Uh, this this kind of spinning mechanism that apparently astronauts use that makes you puke. And basically whoever can last in there the longest wins immunity. Also in this episode, Beth starts having feelings for Harold because she thinks he's flirting with her. Yeah, that was an interesting little subplot there. Very random, but okay. (laughs) Oh, and also everybody gets uh, care packages at the beginning. Chris and Chef dressed as caveman in a reference to 2001 A Space Odyssey. Very clever little moment there. But Owen gets like a trophy from his high, former high school saying like he's so honest and trusting and he like bursts into tears. And of course, Duncan gets his pet spider. 
Scruffy. Who unfortunately died when he accidentally joined Harold in that spinning mechanism. Yep. And Duncan was not happy about that. No, he was not. If you thought Harold betraying Duncan in the last episode made Duncan mad, this is infuriating to him. His beloved pet. One of the few things Duncan has ever shown clear, obvious affection towards is now dead at the hands of Harold. But that's not the only drama that we got. It turns out Beth and Courtney's alliance isn't working out because of their opposite personalities. Mm-hmm. And on top of that, Harold found out what Owen's true role is, like why he came back. Yep. And he pretty much threatens to blow the whole lid. So Owen manages to get Duncan and I guess one of the girls to vote off Harold at the end of this elimination ceremony. No, I think what happened was Duncan voted for Harold and Owen voted for Harold. Meanwhile, Courtney and Beth voted for each other. Oh, that's what it was. And then Courtney and then Harold voted for uh, Owen. That's right. Okay. Yep. So with two votes, it was actually enough to kick out Harold who I am so sad because I do think it would have been great to have Harold in the finale this season. Even against Duncan, I think it would have been pretty cool. But what are you going to do? Hey, top five isn't so bad. Absolutely not. He'll never get this high of a performance again. (laughs) So, you know, Harold uh, tries to warn everyone about Owen, but is thrown into the limousine before he has a chance. And uh, the final four is very interesting because we have Duncan, Beth, and two people who join the game late or rejoin the game. Um, so it almost kind of makes you wonder, almost kind of makes you see who's going to be the final two, if you think of it like that. Episode 24, Top Dog. Once again, we're on Wawanakwa, uh, because the four contestants are each given an animal buddy and thrown into the wilderness and tasked with finding their way back to camp, or back to the film lot, I should say. Beth is paired up with a raccoon, Corny is paired with a shark, Owen is paired with a bear, and Duncan a chameleon, or was it a iguana? I think it was a chameleon. Because it changed colors. And because Owen is still under that contract with Chris, he's still sabotaging the challenges. Mm-hmm. Which includes getting everybody lost in the wilderness, uh, changing the color of Duncan's mohawk while the chameleon is trying to be trained. Uh, a lot of all kinds of crazy stuff. Until him and his bear friend get stuck in a trap. <laughs> Beth gets lost in the woods until she finds out that her raccoon is part of like, this clan that's more civilized hmm they have like their own secret little bunker courtney shark escapes but not before taking her pda which was oh so satisfying mm-hmm. one more random leg up that courtney does not have anymore and duncan thought he lost his chameleon so he turns into a freaking savage so like trying to scout for food and everything but the only thing he had to eat was a 38 page document of all the things he needs to improve on if he wants to start a serious relationship with courtney Mm-hmm. To that point, I think that broke Duncan even before he became a savage. Because, come on, who writes a fucking 38 document page about how to improve yourself for a relationship? Who does that? Courtney does that. Or at least season two, Courtney does that. The whole fun of season one, Courtney and Duncan, is that Courtney learned to break the rules a little bit and Duncan learned to follow the rules a little bit. And this season, it's just like, no, Courtney's just a stickler. She wants Duncan to just be her now. Like, I don't know. It's like weird. You know, regardless, um, what ends up happening is, uh, does Duncan win immunity or just Beth? Do you remember? No, I remember. So Beth wins immunity. That's what happens. Duncan finds out that his chameleon was on his freaking mohawk this whole time. <laughs> yep. Plus, and... Courtney and Beth find out Owen has been sabotaging the contest. Mm-hmm. So, in a vote where Courtney does not have immunity, surprise, surprise, she's actually eliminated. Finally. Um, 
Beth is fed up with her, and Duncan, so tired and so just out of it from living out in the wilderness and being harassed by Courtney, almost falls asleep on his vote booth uh, and uh, accidentally votes for Courtney. And I imagine Owen voted for Courtney, too. Speaking of Owen, because he got caught with his actions, Chris fires him. So, yeah, no second finale for Owen this time. Yeah, that's the end. Although, final three is pretty good. Final three is respectable. But we have our final two, Duncan and Beth. So let me ask you, Eric, what do you think of Duncan and Beth as a final two? Duncan, I'm going to be honest with you. I had a feeling he was going to make it far. Or, like, he had the potential of being in the finale because he was so close to making it in the first season. It only makes sense for him to make it this far. But Beth, my God, like, every episode I was thinking, oh, when's Beth going to get eliminated? There's no way she's going to make it to the finale. (laughs) Well, the joke's on us because she actually made it to the finale. Yeah. It's funny, I was going to say, Beth is another character, I think, looking back and rewatching. I think her arc was stronger in season one. How she came out of the influence of Heather, was, you know, like, stood up for herself. She made it farther there, it would make more sense. But she did freaking nothing this season, other than talk about her boyfriend. That's the reason why I don't like Beth as much as, you know, I really should. I mean, I think she's a fine character. Yeah, but I don't hate her, but... She definitely didn't deserve to be in the finale. Let's put it that way. It really should have been Lindsay. Had her voice actress have been too caught up with another show, the finale definitely would have been Lindsay and Duncan. Let's put it that way. Or hell, even if it was just Harold or Lindsay, or Duncan yeah. and Harold, like you suggested. Duncan and Harold play any, off each other well. If any of those three were in the final two, I'd be okay with it. Yeah, the thing about Beth, and I know I'm going to use this term as we go through this series, but it's, I've seen it discussed in the total drama community. It's basically a floater, all right? You, you're a floater. You float your way through the competition. No one really hates you. No one really likes you. You're just there, and you stay out of the way, and you make it far. Beth is a floater. Like, she didn't do anything, really. She wasn't even, like, a big character in terms of just screen time. Didn't get voted off. And that's honestly not, like, a, a, I feel like a worthwhile reason to make it the finale is just not getting voted off. There should be a little bit more than that. But uh, whatever, you know, regardless, she makes it. It's Duncan versus Beth. For the first time in the series, two members of opposing teams. <laughs> because, as we all know, the first season finale was just between two screaming gophers. Mutiny on the soundstage. Duncan and Beth, well, at first they had to go through a pirate theme challenge. But then they had to go through a race around the entire film lot while answering trivia questions. Mm-hmm. Trivia questions about their fellow contestants. So... If you and if you if you do uh, if you get it right, you can skip the challenge to go to the next trivia question. So what ends up happening is Duncan, who's better at the challenges but doesn't, he's pretty antisocial, keeps having to do all these hard challenges. While Beth, who's great with the trivia because she knows all about her other contestants, but bad at the challenges, she gets all the trivia questions right. And so this ends up being this neck and neck race as Duncan, again antisocial, doesn't really care about anyone else, has to do all these challenges over and over again. Beth kind of just takes a breeze to the finale or to the final challenge due to her more social personality. And along the way, we have this interesting subplot between Chris and Chef. That honestly stole the episode for me. Like, I know I'm supposed to be focusing on the final two, but in this episode, you really care more about Chris and Chef. Yeah, we know Total Drama Action takes place like three days after Island, and it was supposed to only exist as a tiebreaker for the suitcase race. And so now that they're done, this is the finale, Chef is ready to leave. You know, he's, he thinks the show's over. He's going to go and work for another show. 
and Chris actually gets pretty sad. <laughs> he doesn't want to admit it. Like, it comes off more as anger, but he's kind of sad. He doesn't want to lose Chef. And so they get into this fight. They're like, oh, you walk a mile in my shoes. I'll show you. And it's just, oh, it's it's really funny. And it's pretty, like, interesting, their relationship. Chef was trying to do Chris's job for the whole day. I mean, granted, we've seen that in two episodes in season one, but in a more authentic way, let's put it that way. Mm-hmm. But then they eventually come in terms to respect each other. But too bad that doesn't last long in future seasons. Mm-hmm. It is a neck-and-neck race. Duncan and Beth rush over to the Aftermath show, and the first person to arrive is both of them. Yep, they both reach the finale point at the same exact time, bewildering Jeff, Bridget, and all the eliminated contestants who have no idea what to do now, which leads us into the Aftermath 4 as they try to figure out how to settle this. They went through everything. They interviewed all contestants. They had them come up with their own challenges but nothing was working. So the only person who can ironically fix the situation was Chris, who, mind you, him and Chef were finally about to go on vacation. But during the show, Jeff and Bridget posted embarrassing footage of Chris, which involves him singing off-key in the shower, <laughs> eating, grossly eating a sandwich, him revealing to be bald, sleeping with a teddy bear, like anything, <laughs> literally any footage that's humiliating towards Chris, they aired that shit on TV. And Chris was not happy about that, obviously. <laughs> yeah. So he and Chef rushed to the uh, Total Drama Aftermath film lot and inserted themselves into the finale, where Chris announced that it would have to be held by a vote from all the former contestants. At least all the former contestants who competed in this season. You know, the, the peanut gallery really didn't get any votes or anything like that. Once again, math is involved because if you notice that episode, there was three votes for Duncan and three votes for Beth. Meanwhile, there's, I want to say, 10 or 12 people that had a vote. Like, I'm trying to think, how does that add up? Yeah, I'm, I'm not sure. Well, then again, Izzy voted for herself, so there's really 10 or 11, but you get what yeah. I'm trying to say. Yeah. <laughs> Much like in the very last episode, really, depending on who wins, it's either Duncan gets more votes than Beth or Beth gets more votes than Duncan. But really, it all depends on which country you live in. But much like the case with Owen, I think Duncan won in majority of the contest. So let's just say for consistency, Duncan is the winner. Generally speaking, Duncan is more popular than Beth anyway. So I think that's why people really like that. But regardless on which version you prefer, two things always happen in the finale, whether it's Beth or Duncan's win. Bo- Beth's boyfriend shows up, revealed to be a real person. Everyone's so shocked. He's like really tall and muscular and like handsome. And Duncan and Courtney get together. I don't know if they were, like, not together, if they were fighting. I think they were together. They were just really fighting a lot. But regardless on whether or not he wins, Courtney does kind of embrace Duncan. Like, hey, sorry for being so bossy. Like, let's, you know, be a nice couple now. And so those two things will always happen regardless of who wins. So I guess they're, like, canon stuff, you know? Um, Right. And that seemed to be the end of things for a little while. That was the end of the first run, the first, I guess, summer or something of total drama you know that's the end of total drama action and just like the first season total drama action has a reunion special called celebrity manhunt tda reunion show unlike in the uh total drama 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 island which takes place like legit a day or two after island the celebrity manhunt tda reunion show takes place a whole year after the events of action and it's supposed to be that this show celebrity manhunt like a doing a where are they now segment for all of the former contestants of Total Drama. 
So uh, they have the hosts, Josh and Blainley, send this roving reporter, Sierra, out trying to look for contestants, like research, interview them. And it's a really, really cool special. Um, I got to be honest with you. This might be my favorite episode of all time. I love this one. You know what it honestly reminds me of? Have you ever seen the the 2011 Muppets movie? Yeah, of course. It reminds me a little bit of that. Like everyone's washed up, but then they're like, no, we have to do this big fight. You know, we have to save our name, go to the red carpet, you know, prove that we're something. But in this episode, it really shows how much of an influence being on Total Drama Island and Action, respectively, has done for these characters. Mm -hmm. Like we said before, Duncan, Gwen, and Courtney became the most famous love triangle in any reality show. Beth and Lindsay finally get to go to Paris, but, well, I I shouldn't say they, it was more of Lindsay. (laughs) She ruined the Mona Lisa, which, mind you, is a priceless artwork. Letting them both in prison for months. (laughs) DJ and his mama have a cooking show. Which literally killed everybody. <laughs> yep. Gwen and Heather get into the 2010 equivalent of a Twitter war. <laughs> what else? Oh, the Drama Brothers. Harold, Cody, yeah. Justin, and Trent form a band. Tyler and Lashana compete in other reality shows. The original reality TV pros. <laughs> Don't at me, Owen and Noah. Jeff and Bridget are just Jeff and Bridget. Simple as that. Eva is trying to avoid fame at all costs. <laughs> Noah becomes Chris's assistant. Ezekiel <laughs> got more playing, but he's still Ezekiel. Really hasn't changed much, yeah. <laughs> I'm not um, even going to bother with Katie and Sadie because yeah, why the hell they, should I mention those they, two? They got, like, green shirts. That's, like, it. So when all 22 former contestants, I should say, all reunite the red carpet, we find out that they're not famous anymore. Chris completely abolished them in favor of new contestants for his new reality show, Total Drama Dirtbags. Mm-hmm. Set to be more of a Big Brother thing, where uh, just a bunch of dirtbags live in a mansion together and get on each other's nerves, featuring like a bunch of cameo roles from earlier seasons, like the Bear, Bigfoot, or Sasquatch and Aqua, an Eskimo, and an interesting new character called Alejandro. So Chris and his new gang, where are they supposed to go? Oh, uh, I think it was like Los Angeles or New York or something, like or somewhere where they had to like. Gosh, I actually don't remember. All right, uh, so, oh, race, so, uh, race to New York City. They have, yeah, they have to like beat the others yeah. to New York City. So all 22 contestants plus Sierra and DJ's mom, I guess, they race across the country to stop the dirtbags and gain their fame back. If and I got to say, this was brilliant. Seeing all these characters get together to try and win back fame. This is like the biggest team up you can ever imagine in total mm-hmm. drama history. And we never see anything like this in future seasons, which is upsetting. No, this is actually the last, the second and final um, special in Total Drama. I mean, after World Tour, it's nonchalant. It's just, hey, we're going to another season now. We never see anything like this again. And it, it's a shame because it's really awesome. So it should be noted that they chase the dirtbags in DJ's mother's bus, which inevitably crashes. Mm-hmm. So obviously they're stranded. Jeff decides to form a search party to go get help. And joining him are Justin, Trent, Katie, Sadie, Eva, Beth, and DJ's mom. Remember, because those names are going to be important. Everyone else waits by the bus for rescue. Then after days of being stranded, Chris arrives in a helicopter, bringing back everybody to the film lot, including Sierra and Alejandro, mm-hmm. where it turns out that Total Drama Dirtbags wasn't a new season at all, or it wasn't even a show to begin with, but rather it was a setup to trick the contestants in competing for a third season. That's right. Total Drama has been renewed for a third season, where mm-hmm. instead of being on an island, 
or in a film lock, it's going to be a race around the world to compete for $1 million. Yup, the biggest and best season yet, at least as Chris advertises it, and including Alejandro from the Dirtbed Project and Sierra, the superfan, working for Celebrity Manhunt, both as two new contestants to spruce things up. And just like in action, we got 14 contestants returning. We, of course, have Courtney, Duncan, and Gwen, Heather, Lashana, Harold, Owen, Izzy. But then you have Cody, Tyler, Noah, and Ezekiel returning. Yes. Finally, those four contestants who really didn't do too much in Total Drama Island, maybe they will get more exploration their third season, their new time to shine. And, oh boy, this is going to be a doozy, a great Uh, cast. who, Who else? DJ, Bridget, Lindsay. Yeah, I think that's all of them. Yeah, so some interesting notes. Uh, this is obviously Katie and Sadie and Eva will never compete again. But also, this is the first time Jeff and Bridget have ever been separated on the show before and promises to be very interesting. Yeah, as for Jeff's rescue party, sadly, when they arrived at the Celebrity Manhunt studio, they just found that, uh, oh shit, we missed our chance to compete in another season. If you ask me, that's a much better way for cutting contestants than that stupid crap that Chris pulled. Yeah, they were just missed out. They literally left. So that that is fair. Although I, I would have been interested to see DJ's mom competing as a contestant, of course. <laughs> she probably wouldn't last long because she'll be pretty much be slapping everybody. <laughs> like, literally, didn't she slap Ezekiel for no reason on the red carpet? Probably, yeah. <laughs> oh, man. So that is the Celebrity Manhunt TDA reunion special. I gotta agree with you, Eric. This might be just the best Total Drama thing ever. I loved this. And it puts a pin on Total Drama action while leading into World Tour. So what do you think of Total Drama action, Eric, as a whole? Despite all my criticisms towards Courtney and, I guess, some weird directions like making Beth in the finale, Mm. I still think it's a good season. It's definitely not as good as Total Drama Island. Oh, no, not by a long shot. Yeah. But the way they try to be different and adapt to a new environment but still maintaining the drama aspect. I think they still did a solid job. This is also the season where they start to experiment more. Like, you know, like you said, adding reward challenges, the aftermath show, like sprinkling in some new aspects, which I think are handled much better in the third season, but we'll get to that eventually. I 100% agree with you, and we'll talk about that when we do. My thoughts on action, pretty solid season. You know, un- a little underrated. I don't think it's terrific. It's not as good as Island. It's it's like sandwiched in between two much better seasons, in my opinion. But it's got a lot of gold there. You know, Justin talks, so if you like Justin and you want to hear him talk, you get that. Some characters, you can tell they really didn't know what to do with, like Heather, Lashana, Beth. Other ones, like Duncan, Lindsay, Harold, they get really great roles. All in all, there's there's a lot of stuff in, packed in here that's pretty great. They definitely don't skip out on action. What about all you people that are listening right now? What do you think it's Total Drama Action? Do you think it's better than Total Drama Island? Do you think it's worse than Total Drama Island? Or do you think it's sandwiched in between this and a much better season? Let us know in the Discord server. The link will be provided, as always, along with the link to our Instagram page, at Geeks Crossing. Continue to support us on all available platforms such as Anchor, Spotify, Google Play, Apple Podcasts, and even iHeartRadio. Mm-hmm. And for those of you who really can't get enough of these uh, fantastic geeks, you can follow Keith and Nick over to Twitch where they game and stream under the profiles uh, at Nuclear Bacons and at CryptoLock Gamings, respectively. And our favorite guest star, Tyler, is also on there at CarrotBite Gaming. So please, if you love gaming, give those guys some love and more importantly stay true to your geek selves